Welcome, everyone, to the Take Control of Your Health podcast. This is Dr. Mercola bringing you the latest cutting-edge interviews to help you achieve optimal health. You can receive more information by subscribing to my free daily newsletter at Mercola.com. Thank you so much for listening. So let's get started with this week's latest program to help you and your family take control of your health. Welcome, everyone. This is uh, Dr. Mercola helping you take control of your health. And today we have a special guest. This would be Alex Jones, and we're going to talk about his new book. Uh, but before we start about that, we start into that conversation. Um, we're going to uh, kind of review some of the, his history. And many of you, almost everyone knows who Alex Jones is, but I think he's most, at least in this current challenge we're going through, most noted for really the first target of the censorship. And in August, literally four years ago, almost this week that we're talking, he was uh, uniformly removed from virtually all the platforms. There was a collusion between Apple, Facebook, Google, Twitter. Uh, they all got him off literally within days of each other. And, you know, there was a it was a real threat to the First Amendment and the freedom of speech. And then shortly, you know, within, the, within a year, literally the following summer, I and hundreds of other sites were similarly removed. So he was the first though, and uh, he had lots of reach. I mean, I think, you know, we used to determine reach by uh, this website called Alexa, which is a subset of uh, um, Amazon, but they took Alexa offline. But I think Alex was in the top thousand sites visited in the world, not just in the U.S., in the world. But obviously, uh, being removed from all the platforms is a challenge. So I want to thank you for joining us and for all you're doing. And we'll talk about your book in a moment. But maybe you were in the process when we first uh, connected of giving me an update of what's going on. I suspect, is this related to the uh, January 6th? episode or the Sandy Hook trial that you're involved with, which occurred about 10 years ago? They are trying to basically indict myself and many others for January 6th, even though on record, we were there trying to stop what happened that day. And with Sandy Hook, I hardly ever even talked about it. It was less than one-tenth of 1% one of what we covered back then. Yeah, 10 and years then, ago. 10 years ago. And then once Trump won, they filed four lawsuits on me directed by the Democratic Party in Austin, Texas, and in New Haven, Connecticut. And then they had judges default me saying I didn't give over discovery, which wasn't even true. And so now they're having show trials starting here in Austin uh, just last week. And then two weeks from now in Connecticut, a total of four of them, it's gonna be going on for about f f uh, four months, saying that I am guilty. The judge actually looked at the jury five times while I was in the courtroom last week and said, this man is guilty, remember that. And she even put an order out saying that I was not allowed to say I'm innocent when I testify. We literally have the order. So this is next level censorship. This is Lawfare 2.0 and they've bragged all over the news just today, the, 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 the Democratic Party and MSM, mainstream media, that they're gonna use this as the model to then go after everybody else. So I have been the canary in the coal mine, the guinea pig, the, the test subject. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, so this is a warning because you know we have an example. Four years ago, they took you out first, and then hundreds of others like myself were were, were similarly removed. So th this is something to be be noted of. So when they removed you, I'm wondering what was do you recall what their justification was? Was it this, your comments on Sandy Hook, or was it your position on some other issues? That's exactly what it was. They looked at my whole 24 year record at the time, and that was an area where we had speculated along with others because of anomalies that it may have been staged or uh, may have been a false flag. And so then Hillary ran against Trump the last two months of the campaign in 2016 with almost a $30 million ad buy with clips of me edited saying Sandy Hook didn't happen to, to try to demonize Trump. And then when Trump won, they went even crazier and attacked me more. And so that's why they did the deplatforming and then they began to file all these lawsuits. They filed over 50 lawsuits against me, but four for Sandy Hook in two different jurisdictions so they can have trial after trial after trial after trial. It's simply historic uh, what's happening. Yeah, it's probably cost you millions of dollars to defend yourself, I would suspect. Absolutely. Uh, Infowars is bankrupt. And it's 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 their plan to shut us down. So bankruptcy protection is only one of the ways we have to actually show the court we don't have all this extra money they say we have, uh, mm -hmm. and that uh, even if they get these giant judgments, because mm -hmm. again we have a judge instructing the jury this man is guilty. It, it's it's Kafka esque. It's 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 1984, and so I don't really feel sorry for myself. I'm very thankful to our viewers and listeners for all their support over the years. I realize this whole country and this world is in deep, deep trouble. Yeah. Most of yeah. So it, it's interesting. What the, the one minor silver line to this, though, is that most of these uh, hearings or the the the, the, uh, the courtroom uh, appearances are occurring in Austin. That's in your backyard, so you don't have to travel to a different state. No, I don't. Uh, so so there's two Sandy Hook trials here, and there's two in Connecticut uh, that are coming up and it's, it's just simply amazing. And again, in both jurisdictions, there's two judges, they're coordinating, they've both found me guilty by default. And we're not supposed to even say to the jury in the judge's orders that, hey, by the way, I've been found guilty by a judge and not a jury. She just tells them, this man is guilty. You're just deciding now how he's punished. Well, sorry to hear about that, but it all works out in the end, typically. So it always I'm, works out in the end. It, it's yeah. it, it's backfiring them. Look, at least I'm on a six month old baby being given one of these mRNA shots. At least right, right. I'm not one of these old folks that got locked up in the nursing home to die. So I'm not a victim. I'm being targeted because we've been very, very effective exposing uh, the uh, globalist tyranny. Yeah, and your effort to continue that expose, you wrote a book, The Great Reset and the War for the World, that comes out on August 20th. So I'm curious about the title uh, because it's eerily similar to the War of the Worlds, which was the epic and probably first major propaganda brainwashing campaign and trial run in 1938. And I'm sure many remember or know of this, which is, I mean, not remember because most of us weren't alive at that time, but they, they recall how Orson Welles did a fake radio broadcast of the war of the world, which is similar to your title of your book, you know, claiming that the Martians were invading. So, you know, and this really was one of the first 
prominent efforts at brainwashing. So I'm wondering, did you did you did you take that off of the the War of the Worlds, or was it just a coincidence? It's a coincidence, but you're right. H.G. Wells, one of the top globalist theorists, he wrote the book that then Orson Welles uh, did his mm -hmm. false flag hysteria piece that had people convinced that uh, Martians had actually uh, invaded the Earth. I, I went with this title because the globalists are in a war for the world, a planetary government, a total takeover. Yeah, it's, it was really a good book, and I appreciate your writing, and I'm surprised how good it was, actually. So uh, maybe you can share with us the motivation for compiling, because you typically don't write books. I wrote one book 20 years ago that was self-published, and I'd been approached by different publishers wanting to publish books, but I knew Tony Lyons from mm -hmm. Skyhorse. We'd worked with him a lot, having his authors on, and selling his books as a lot of folks do over the years they have so many great bold titles and he said listen all you got to do is compile a bunch of notes a bunch of documents and recordings of your view of how this all works and then we'll help you put it together and so a lot of the credit goes to the folks over at skyhorse but this is my words this is my research this is my understanding of the great reset and what the globalists are doing and this really is the whole future of the world and humanity at a crossroads right now, deciding if, if, if we're gonna have a pro-human future or this transhumanist uh, technocracy, this biomedical tyranny that's trying to take over our bodies, our bank accounts, everything. So, so it covers every aspect of the Great Reset and it's full of quotes and statements and documents by the very people. In fact, every statement in the book is backed up uh, by their admissions. That's what's incredible is this takeover of the planet by megacorporations and this attempt to capture the human species and uh, turn us into like factory-farmed humans that they control and program, this Brave New World 2.0 happening for real is out in the open. And so that's why the book is so important. I, I, I liken it to the plans to the Death Star. This yeah. is their plan. This is their blueprint. This is their playbook. And if you have this, well, and you understand this, then you've got a major leg up against this takeover. And I love the quote you put it right at the very beginning of the book from George Carlin, a great, great comedian, one of the best. Forget the politicians. The politicians are put there to give you the idea that you have freedom of choice. You don't. You have no choice. You have owners. They own you. They own everything. They own all the important land. They own and control the corporations. Great quote. I, I play that clip all the time on my show because it's 100% true. And now they physically want control of our bodies with this whole biomedical tyranny. And so that's what's so incredible about Paul Schwab and Harari and all these other people that we quote in here, they are admitting their plan to have a scientific revolution and that by the year 2047, humans will be obsolete and they predict a future without humans by the turn of the next century. I mean, these are fantastical death cult statements, but they're in control of the finance, they're in control of the medical systems, they're in control of most of the governments. And if humanity doesn't awaken to this, 
and organize against it, we have no hope. But the plan is so diabolical and so public that if we just admit it's happening and start mobilizing and organizing, we can and we will take this down. Yeah, and I want to congratulate you for being so far ahead of the curve of everyone else for alerting and and setting out the alarms that this was in in process. It It seemed like really crazy talk and overt conspiracy theory, but you've been proven right in so many different areas. Now, you're not 100% right, but pretty damn close. And because no one's ever 100% accurate, there's going to be some deviations. But you want, you want to highlight some of the things that you were spot on about that were uh, people and the public mis- mistakenly disapproved of the, those statements? The reason I knew about this was growing up, my dad and mom were voracious readers of political science and science journals and information. And so I wasn't really a bookworm, but I did read a lot. And so I got way more intrigued by books about World War II and World War One and Cecil Rhodes and Rhodesia and the diamond monopoly and just uh, the Roman Empire and all the things that happened in history so by the time I was uh, out of high school, I'd probably read 500 history books or more. So I, I had an understanding of real history and the fact that the world did have elites in it and did have ruling, controlling oligarchies. And of course, I'd read Brave New World and I'd read Brave New World Revisited that was nonfiction, where Huxley explains my book from 1932 is really what I believe we'll have sometime after the year 2000, this is actually our goal. So you read that dystopic scientific dictatorship book from 32, and then he explains, this is really what the technocrats plan. This is what we've been developing and preparing. So I've been on air 28 years since I was 21 years old. And a lot of it came off as crazy because back then, a lot of this was more academic that they were going to set up world government, they were going to have carbon taxes, and they were going to do all these things. So I was on air simply reading from what they were planning to do. Now, we're just here 20 plus years later, and they're actually starting to implement it. We're going from beta to operational now. And so it sounds like I'm a prophet or something, uh, but really I'm not. Uh, It's just that most people weren't reading this stuff when it was in MIT journals when it was more academic. Uh, And so now that it's rolling out into operational phase, people are really starting to pay attention to what I said 10, 20, 25 years ago. And now there's new viral videos that people are finding somewhere every day that are getting hundreds of thousands, in some cases, millions of views, where I exactly say what's coming in the next 10, 20 years. But again, I'm reading from their own statements. So They're the ones that planned all this. They're the ones. I mean, we've got Joe Biden 15 years ago in the Senate saying, soon you'll have a microchip under your skin to buy and sell. Well, he was going and meeting at the Bilderberg Group and the Davos Group, and that was their plan. And so he knew it was coming. He wasn't a prophet either. He was in on it. So you had mentioned the technocracy and, of course, one of the leaders, and I think he's been on your show a few times, is Patrick Wood, and really documenting this. He initially collaborated with Anthony Sutton, uh, when, who, is, who is really the, the, the founder, not the founder, but the lead guy in this, and he passed away a while ago. So that goes back about 100 years ago or so. 
about, like into the 30s at uh, Columbia Universities and where they started and kind of spun up again in the Trilateral Commission in the 70s. So you are an astute uh, student of history. And I'm wondering from your review of the documents you have in your lifetime, how far back do you think this goes? Clearly, it's got to go back more than 100 years. It's, I mean, at least to the Rothschilds. And interestingly, I'm in the process of writing a chapter on Rockefeller medicine, which is, I think, instrumental in what's happening to the healthcare system. And in, in, the, in the efforts of my efforts to collaborate on or consolidate that information, I've learned that the Rothschild, and you probably know this, they don't have $100 billion. They have $100 trillion. You know, so this story that Gates, or certainly not Gates anywhere, but Bezos or uh, Musk is the wealthiest person in the world is just ludicrous. I mean, the Rothschilds have a thousand times more wealth than him. And there's many others that are, that are between him and, and, and uh, Bezos and, and Musk. So I'm wondering, how far back do you think it goes? Well, that's a really, really, really great question. Uh, my film, Endgame, Blueprint for Global Enslavement, that's been out since 2007, can still be found for free online. Everybody should go watch it. And we explain it goes back to Plato and his Republic 2,300 plus years ago, where he said, we need to kill off the poor. We need to breed to have only elite characteristics. He's really the founder of what became eugenics. Then if you fast forward to 300 years ago, uh, we have Malthus, who was in the British government. And he said, we should herd the poor people into tiny apartments we should uh, let disease spread amongst them. We should exterminate and reduce the population because the carrying capacity of the earth has been reached. And then through his views, we see it continuing into Sir Francis Galton. Uh, and, and, and Galton in the 1850s develops the theory of modern eugenics and then postulates computers the science of biometrics, the discovery of the building blocks of our cells so that they can take control of the reproductive processes of humans in an orderly directed uh, fashion. And then he was heavily funded by the British royal family and by the Rothschilds uh, that you mentioned who also financed the Rockefellers. And so they developed really much of the modern sciences as an attempt to try to take control of the Renaissance uh, that that was the explosion in, in grassroots science and the age of discovery. It was an attempt by the elites to clamp down on technology and use it as a tool of control, not of empowerment. And then out of Dalton, we get uh, the, the people like H.G. Wells and others. And so you had two different competing Fabian socialists that were the British Empire and... Cecil Rhodes and the CFR, Royal Roundtable Group, management systems of the British Empire, competing with what they called the German problem. Uh, and so that's why they orchestrated World War I. And then uh, Hitler was in competition with them and basically adopted the eugenics program, but decided to only project it onto certain targeted minority groups. And so Hitler was a bad son or an offshoot uh, of the... Uh, Fabian socialist and the eugenics movement that started in England. And of course, uh, by the time Hitler uh, came to power, eugenics was accepted in most countries of the world as the set science. The U.S. was doing hundreds of thousands of 
forced sterilizations of um, not just poor minorities, but also whites who, who got bad, uh, uh, bad report card scores. And so Hitler and his uh, henchman's defense, of course he was dead, but his henchman's defense at Nuremberg was the Cold Springs Harbor Rockefeller funded eugenics laboratory in New York State. But that got glossed over uh, during during that tribunal. And, and, and so the basis of the scientific system that we live under is this Rothschild, Galton, Rockefeller, eugenics-based system. And as you said, Bill Gates is just a operative of that going back three generations. His grandfather and father uh, were actually leading board members uh, of the different eugenical and uh, depopulation boards. And the original name of Bill and Melinda Gates' foundation started in the mid-90s was uh, the World Population Control uh, Bureau. Then they changed the name in 1999 to the Bill and Melinda Gates Philanthropic Organization. Uh, mm. And so this is really the cult. And, and you can argue there's too many people in some areas. You can argue we're getting lazy and dumb. We can argue that modern society makes us weak. But who sets up these ultra-rich control freaks to play God and decide who lives and who dies? And so now they're moving forward with the forced injections, the GMO, the 5G, and, and all of it uh, to render us uh, basically sterile, sick and dying creatures. They're involved in a mass culling sure. mop-up operation. Yeah, but you're, you're really diving into the tactics. And I really want to get into this, the strategy because I'm curious, and I'm sure many people watching this are, and it seems, as I said earlier, that, I mean, you mentioned Plato going back two or 3,000 years, uh, but it, it certainly goes back more than 100 years. And I'm wondering if you've re reviewed any material that suggests that there are actually bloodlines, maybe 13 families in the world that consist of the primary global cabal that are behind all this. Who's the core? Who's the foundation? It certainly isn't Gates, no question. He's just a, he's just a player. Uh, but there's these there's there's many people who believe these these families who, who've gone back for thousands of years, literally. And, and the, the the control center of the world used to be Egypt, and it transferred to Rome, and now it appears to be in London. So I'm wondering if if you've uncovered any information on on that that thesis. Well, that is absolutely what's happening. I mean, we can't prove that it goes all the way back to Plato. We just know that his ideas mm -hmm. are the admitted genesis point and where all these other systems uh, of eugenics and human enslavement basically propagate from, he's the progenitor. But absolutely, if you trace back Egypt and then Greece and then Rome and the fall of the Roman Empire, the fall of the Byzantine Empire, all of that power then was transferred to France, to England, and to Scotland, and those systems of control and, and ancient knowledge of science and mm -hmm. maps of the world and things we know that they had that were much more accurate than, than uh, what we had previously known, they then used those sciences of control that had basically been handed down through these bloodlines and other systems into our modern world. And that is exactly uh, what's happening. And, and I would say that London is the main the city of London within London, excuse me, have a little bit of a sore throat, is, is the main power base and that the, the New World Order Global Government Davos Group 
Build Back Better, Great Reset is a modern expression of the British Empire. Yeah, so, so why don't you expand on that? Because I'm sure virtually everyone watching this doesn't, wouldn't be able to differentiate between London and the city of London. Two different things, two different, completely different entities. So why don't you expand on that? I forget how many square miles it is, but I visited. It's several- small. It's like, a, I think it's only one. It's, or a few. It's really tiny. Absolutely. It's even got a moat around it. When you go to London in the heart of the city, the old city, there is a very small walled off corporate fortress complex or complexes. And that is the city of London within London and its own corporate sovereign uh, governing system is there. And, and, and offshoots of that is the British East India Company uh, and the Bank of England and all these organizations that are private but have governmental power. And if you talk about the most ancient bloodlines that we know are still operating, we know that the House of Dracula, and I'm not joking, folks, that's why Bram Stoker called it Dracula and talked about Count Dracula because it's in the mainline history books. He wasn't a vampire, but he was bloodthirsty and put people on spikes and you know the, the rest of it. But Europe might not exist if he hadn't stopped uh, some of those major Muslim invasions. And people can look this up. Prince Charles directly traces his lineage, and he he's written books about that the progenitor of his bloodline and, and of the Saxe-Coburg-Gotha, who again are not British, they're not English, they're not Scottish, they're not Irish, they are really a Transylvanian noble bloodline that later grew uh, into uh, what became the Austrian-Hungarian Empire. And, and then with um, George I, George II, George III, George I and George II couldn't even really speak English. And of course, King George III, who we had our war with in 1776. And so it, it's a German Transylvanian ancient bloodline that is at least 1,000 years old, and it runs the New World Order. And, and so when you see Prince Philip, who also says before he died that he wants world government and to come back as a virus to kill 80% of the world population, or his son, Prince Charles, pushing this, you are literally seeing the house of the dragon. That's what Dracula means, Dracul, the house of the dragon that is ruling our planet. Yeah. So I understand that uh, all the... Um, the banks, the uh, central banks of the world have offices within the city of London. They do. And, and they don't hide that. And our Federal Reserve is private. It was set up in 1913. The shareholders are secret. But at the founding of the Federal Reserve, they admitted that upwards of 80% of the stockholders of the Federal Reserve were not American banks, but were British and European banks. Yeah, I think the majority shareholder of the central banks is the Rothschilds. I'm pretty it sure. Is. Yeah. So that's how else could you get $100 trillion in net worth? <laughs> $100 trillion. That's Have you ever been able to discern whether that the validity of that assessment or pro- 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 projection? I have had on everybody from John Perkins, Confessions of an Economic Hitman. Sure. I've had on a lot of other economists over the years. We've had on, obviously... G. Edward Griffin's one of the preeminent experts. And I think that $100 trillion number is about a decade old. If you look oh, at all their le- leveraged assets and 
the inflation too. See, Quad, they've used inflation. Quadrillion. Quadrillion. Absolutely. So it's now quadrillions, but but you're right. It was a hundred trillion uh, ten years ago, and now it's in the quadrillions. And and what they're doing is weaponizing this monetization where they get the money up front. It has value. They buy up real assets. They loan it out at interest. And so we get the debt, we get the inflation, we get our savings destroyed, they take over the world. And so that's how the Rothschilds, as you know, first made their money in Germany. Uh, they had little pawn shops that had red shields on them. That was their logo. That was their trademark. So Rothschild means red shield. And they would, people didn't want to hold their gold or silver. And I know you, you know this, Doctor. But for those who may not know, people didn't want to hold their gold or silver at their house. They didn't have banks back then. Only royalty and people had treasuries that were guarded by guards, you know, inside fortresses. And so pawn shops, or or where you'd go to, uh, you know, get jewelry or fix your jewelry or uh, get up some blacksmithing done. You had blacksmiths, silversmiths, goldsmiths, and the Rothschilds were goldsmiths. And so they started writing script to people going back to Germany about 550 years. And with that script, people bring their silver and gold and the Rothschilds would give you script. Well, they learned they could give people more script than actual gold and silver they were holding. And they developed the rule, never give out or loan out more than 10 to one script. So that's where paper money comes from. And you could come back to one of their pawn shops uh, mm -hmm. and where they had armed guards in a vault and you could get an exchange for gold or silver. And so the fractional reserve then, banking. Fractional reserve banking is what it is. Right? Fractional yeah. reserve banking. Yeah. So they're, they're, and they, so now they've gone, now they've gone way past fractional reserve banking where they don't have a hundred to one or a thousand to one. It's there's no connection to reality now. That's why they want carbon taxes that are going to tie all matter on earth being tracked in real time by AI surveillance. And they're going to put a carbon cost on everything and then tie their new global currency to the carbon. Okay. Well, thank you for expanding on that because I think it's important to understand the, the, the genesis or the nexus of this whole effort. I mean, we talk about the new world order, the world order and the global cabal, but it's not the people in power now. There's just the front. They're the front, front for it. So there's, there's clearly entities behind it. It's important to understand their motivation and their, their purpose. So uh, and, and part of it is, it, it, I mean, clearly it's acquiring assets and wealth, but at, at a quadrillion or quadrillion or multiple quadrillions of wealth, it's not about the number of the doll, dollars or uh, gold bars that you own. It's about power. Power is the, the crux of it and the ability to control assets. And essentially, it, it appears, as you say in your book, is that this movement is to push us to, towards global slavery, that we're all slaves and uh, totally controlled by the, the, the global cabal. 10 years ago, we began airing a group of television cartoons produced uh, by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the Rothschilds, funny enough, The Economist was involved, Economist Magazine they own. And it's cartoons showing children how you'll live in the future. You won't own a car, you won't own a house, you won't own your clothes, you won't own your smartphone. It will all be owned by a global corporation owned by the UN, working with the UN, that will then allot where you go and what you do. Well, now that's all being announced. You'll own nothing, you'll have nothing. Uh, they're, they're trying to ban privately owned cars. And, and this is what they're introducing to young people 
right now. And what they want is a transhumanist, post-human world in their own words, where they control the evolution of humanity. They use all of us as guinea pigs uh, to test out all these new sciences, and then they believe that they're going to merge with machines and transcend uh, their bodies. That is their insane cult. And if it sounds insane, I have read hundreds of articles that they've written where they openly brag about this. That's why Elon Musk said, beware those that worship AI gods. And he talks about how the, the elite think they're going to live forever. They, they want a post-human world. Uh, they want this uh, new sapien that's 2.0. Harari, who's one of the high priests of globalism at the Davos Group, says that the post-human world again will be here uh, by 2047 or so, and that he looks forward to the end of humanity, and that, and that they just see us as like cockroaches or something. So this is a self-appointed, control freak, mad scientist cult uh, that is literally taking control of the entire human biological system, just as Monsanto and others have done with the crops. So that's sort of the long-term agenda that you've outlined. And I, you know, no one knows for sure, but it certainly seems, seems to be within the realm of possibility. But I'm wondering if you, and you do somewhat of this in the book, but if you can dive deeper into the near, very near future, like what's going to happen in the next few years? I think it seems from my understanding review from now to 2025, literally the next three years, is going to be a pretty significant transition time. Uh, and I'm wondering what you think is likely to happen. Because if we can, you know, I, I, I was... Uh, born and raised in the University of Chicago and far away from any farms of nature. <laughs> you know, we didn't even have access to parks. So one of the best things I ever did in my youth was to join the Boy Scouts. And you probably know one of the mottos of the Boy Scouts is to be prepared. So the reason why it's important to have a number of people gives their impression, and you're certainly well qualified considering all the research and work you put into this, is to what you think is going to happen in the next three years. We can be better be prepared. And, and have a strategic agenda to counteract their plan. So what do you think is going to happen? Well, you're right. They have theoretically projected out of the future, these globalist map makers of the mind, these futurists, and we're not going to beat that project of post-human cyborg hell unless we fight the current uh, phases they're in. And, and, and so... When they're cutting off the fossil fuels while blocking all the real alternatives, while they're collapsing the borders, while they're devaluing the currency, they all admit, whether it's Klaus Schwab or whether it's Barack Obama or whether it is uh, the leaders of other nations, that this is a transition we're in and that they're cutting off the old infrastructure to force us onto a new infrastructure, but that new infrastructure is not there. So they're destroying the industrial carrying capacity of the planet to launch mass famine, societal de degeneration and collapse, and war. Then they will pose as saviors, mm -hmm. saying that they're going to stabilize the world with a global Marshall Plan of quadrillions of dollars to now bring in their new Green Deal. But first they have to dynamite and blow up the old system. That's why Prince Charles four months ago gave that speech where he said, we need a to total military-style mobilization with more capital than is even existing currently on the world 
to force the end of the old system and the move to the new system. And the new system is doubling, tripling starvation every year, uh, forced medical tyranny, a world ID tied to a social credit score, carbon tax. And then once they've annihilated the grassroots economy, once they've bought up all the farms, once they've centralized things further, they will then bring in the universal basic income. And with that, they'll be able to dictate how you live, where you can go, and that will be directly tied to your behavior. Uh, so the entire world will be turned into a giant open-air, high-tech re-education camp here in the near future. When I was in New York last year doing some podcast, I went to the UN building, and outside they had huge mural poster boards up that looked incredibly dystopian. And if you think Klaus Schwab is saying you'll own nothing, you'll have nothing, you'll like it, you will eat the bugs, is is bad. There were there were huge poster boards showing what looked like bunkers from World War II, little gray bunkers saying, you'll no longer live in cities, you'll live in communes. And the end of the system is here. And we have the science to take over your body now. And it, and it was meant to be as dystopian as possible with some type of weird reverse psychology to just push people into a type of mass Stockholm syndrome. And then we went to the Pfizer building and it had a bunch of just really scary uh, stuff up on the side of it about taking control of the body and nanotech and mRNA and how this revolution's here and how you won't be able to stop it. So, so they've gone from beta operational to collapse the world economy and then build back better on its ashes uh, this uh, technocracy that is enveloping the planet right now. So people need to understand this is very serious and thank God for Bolsonaro in Brazil. Thank God for uh, Orban in Hungary. Uh, thank God for some of the other leaders we have around the world that are popping up and calling out the Great Reset calling out the new world order and explaining to people that this is a global corporate hostile takeover of the planet's biospheres. To support your observations on your most recent trip to New York, that, that, that's sort of uh, highlighted by the recent public service announcements that they've had that we're instructing people what to do in case of a nuclear attack, which they haven't done for 60 years, I guess. 60 years was the last time they aired those types of messages. So they're telling people, go inside and, and wait for your wait for the media to tell you what to do. Like the media is going to really be around when they have a electromagnetic pulse that probably devastates all electronic equipment. So it's just shocking what they're, they're trying to get away with. But with respect to some of the, the, the other items you mentioned, what, what do you think the timing is? I mean, you've got the universal basic income, which is probably tied in with CBDC, central bank digital currencies. Do you think that's prior to 2025? They would like to have it in now. And yeah, but, but it's not going to happen now. They got it. They, there's logistical challenges. No, no, I totally agree with you. So the faster they can collapse the world economy while posing as the saviors, they will get it in. But but I, I agree with you. Sri Lanka now has it. Australia's rolling it out. Uh, Italy's rolling it out. 
a lot of other countries are rolling it out, but they still have to get it all synced up and force people onto it. So I would say 2026 or so, maybe 2025, if there's another pandemic, if there's a big war, if there's an EMP attack, if hackers take out the power grid in certain areas, they need, again, a controlled demolition of the old system to force us onto this new system, and then the real evil and the real controls kick in. But China has its social credit score in place. They have their digital currency now rolling out. And so we're right now segueing into that system, and it's really up to us whether they ever actually get it into place, but they're they're certainly trying. So I yeah, would we'll say- But we'll go into some of the things you recommend for that, because I think that's really the crux of what we need to do. But I'm wondering, with respect to specifics, because you're really the expert in identifying false flags. It seems to me one of the likely ones is a cyber warfare attack. Uh, so easy to pull off, actually exponentially easier to pull off than 9-11 is to take out the grid. I mean, they could they, all they have to do is little software changes and the whole grid's down and they can blame it on terrorists easily and no one would be able to prove otherwise. So what's the likelihood of that happening, do you think, in the next few years? Grid, grid oh, I- going down, no electricity. Well, Dr. Mercola, I mean, you show how well-researched you are. That is the number one card that they want to play. And, and the reason we know it is, as you said, it's very easy to do it and not get caught. In the future, everything is about the technocracy and controlling us through energy and, and through surveillance and through digital uh, gatekeeping via digital currencies and social credit scores. And so we saw the pre-programming for a decade by the Club of Rome and by the Davos Group and by the UN and by the Rockefeller Foundation with documents like uh, Operation Lockstep from 2011 that chronicles exactly what they did with the COVID release and, and then uh, the rollout of the mRNA gene therapies and all the rest of it. They pre-programmed heavily in a crescendo up to 2020 telling us disease X is imminent. It's going to come out of the rainforest. It's going to come out of China. It's going to come out. It's your fault. It's going to happen. And when it happens, you'll have to wear a mask. And when it happens, there'll be forced inoculations. And when it happens, there'll be lockdowns. So they, they, they did drill after drill, dress rehearsal after dress rehearsal before they did it. And now they are hyping cyber attack from Russia or terrorist it's imminent. It could take down part of the grid or all the grid. And oh, somebody hacked the colonial pipeline and turned it off. They're holding it ransom. So they're introducing this idea and getting it ready so that they can have major power grid outages that they blame on their enemies and then bring in more surveillance and internet IDs to be able to get online in the name of protecting us from the cyber terrorist. But of course, the cyber terrorists are above the government. It'll be coming out of this global corporate uh, combine. And we know that because they've been wargaming it and again, preparing us with a major propaganda rollout that this is imminent. So clearly then, I'm glad you agree because it seems like that's a really powerful way to take out large portion of the population because essentially the society will collapse if there's no electricity. It will just utterly collapse. I mean, I, I, I don't, I mean, it's clearly going to clear, kill a lot of people. 
So in anticipation and preparation for that, I think clearly one of the best strategies is to have some backup power strategy or implement plan. That would be one of the others. But I'm wondering one of the, some of the other, well, any, any other plans and we can go into the mindset and what we need to do to prevent all this craziness of these nefarious plans from being implemented. I think everybody instinctively knows what you're saying is the real threat. You can see the evidence empirically. You can see it scientifically. You can see it culturally. We can really feel it. That's why all over the world, as particularly in the West, there is a mass exodus out of the cities. These things are mm -hmm. death traps. And uh, I know that my family, uh, not even myself, but but my parents, and, and we have some trailers out in the middle of nowhere with well water and with solar and with big propane tanks that'll go for a year. And we keep diesel and gasoline and, and have a small working farm and cattle that we've been you know, having for over 170 years here in Texas. But the point is we fired all that up, got all that ready and prepared because all the old farmhouses that you know, great grandparents and folks had have all collapsed, but we've gone back to that land and literally are set up uh, in case there is long-term collapse. But I believe first they're going to do some beta attacks where they take mm -hmm. out one of the three big grids in the U.S. for, say, a couple weeks and, and, and then use that as a power grab and, and to get more control and then just slowly continue to turn off the fuel by the gas prices being so high and slowly watch society unravel. But then once they've beta tested this a few times, I would say around the year 2030 or so is when they're going to, is when they would claim that terrorists detonated an EMP or something and turn off the whole grid and then have organized uh, collapse and barbarism. But first they've got to get their full police state in place. They've got to get their armored globalist reservations prepared to be able to safely direct all of this uh, from their redoubts. But they've got to get that in place first. So I think they are about eight years away, seven years away from the real mass extermination. Or they may just roll the dice and release some <laughs> type of, uh, super bioweapon uh, that's you know so deadly it, it, it kills large portions of society and, and that itself would cause the effect of collapsing things. Uh, but they don't feel safe right now in their armored bunkers in uh, areas of rural Canada. They don't feel safe in Tasmania or Kauai, Hawaii. They don't feel safe uh, in, in, in some of these fortresses they built. I know some of the security people that have worked in them and seen them uh, and who've worked for some of the richest people in the world. And let me tell you, it's even in the news. There is a race by these billionaires to build underground fortresses and to do this. And I was even uh, at dinner a few months ago with a Bilderberg Group attendee and a major billionaire. I'm not going to say names. And he was asking me where he thought a good place in the Southern Hemisphere would, you know, to go and, and what chances I thought there'd be a nuclear war with Russia. And, and of course, I know that individuals famously does have some quite large bunkers. I'm not going to say where people will know who I'm talking about, but they're all got it. They've all got big, giant, self-sufficient yachts so they can escape to sea. That's why James Cameron has those big research vessels 
he doesn't just live in New Zealand. He was let in on these plans. Uh, and and I, I, I never talked to him, but I talked to one of his co-producers when I was out in Hollywood like 16 years ago. And he said, yeah, James Cameron's not going to really make movies anymore. He's moving to New Zealand because he says there's going to be a designed control collapse. And, you know, those ships he's got for finding the Titanic and all that, that's just his tax write-off. He's got a fleet of ships in case uh, he has to go to the ocean only. And, and, and so that's why some of these billionaires are also building these floating cities uh, because they are trying to position themselves for this collapse. They're not going to go to space like Ian Fleming's Moonraker to release the bioweapon. They're going to go to the ocean while the rest of us die. Yeah, but I want to differentiate. There, there's a number of billionaires, not many, probably thousands, of, maybe tens of thousands, I don't know. But certainly the majority of them, almost all of them, are not part of the cabal. They just happen to be wealthy enough to be aware. Some of them might be involved in the different layers of organization, but they're not high ups. They're not really controlling the plan. They're not. They're just responding for self-survival. I totally agree. They're, they're, they're opportunists. They go along to get along. They get the word down from the big corporations of this is the agenda, and they get in line with it. So they keep getting their financing and don't get targeted and don't get shut down. Yeah. And so, so it's a very small group that are actually at the Bilderberg group, that are actually at the Davos group, that are actually in those private breakout areas where the real consensus uh, from the real owners comes out. And the particular individuals that I've met with, they've been to these groups and they don't even agree with, with the way it's going. So there are people inside these organizations that agree it's gotten out of hand and it's too dangerous and they don't want to be part of what's coming. There's a real satanic death cult, whatever you want to call it. Aliens, I, don't, I mean, Doc, I don't, I don't know what it is at the top, but whatever it is, it's, it's anti-human and it's really smart and it's got a long-term plan to slowly kill us and, and it, it's what it's building is so dangerous, it will destroy almost all of its minions. Even if they've got $100 billion in the bank, they're not safe. This thing is going to kill everybody, in my view. Yeah, now that may sound pretty outrageous, but I got to tell you, I'm, I'm with you. I really think that something similar to that is, is accurate. I really think you're spot on uh, because I just think it is. I just don't think it's it's all human. I really don't. So, um, you know, we don't have evidence to support that, but it's just logic and rationality. But I'm it's wondering- total logic when you look at the- generational systems working yeah. together and then you actually meet globalists and they're not that smart there there's a there is an evil organized force behind this i get chills talking about it yeah yeah it really is and i think this might be a number of people watching this their their first exposure to that sort of outrageous discernment but it's something to consider and there's a lot of material that is written to support that and that is pretty extensively that goes way back so um, with respect to the, the taking on the grid, I, 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 that, that is an interesting perspective. And I haven't heard that before, but it makes perfect sense. Have you, is that just your guess or have you actually reviewed that in some of the documents you've read that uh, they produced? Because I mean, as you mentioned earlier, they're, they're not shy about sharing what they're gonna do. Well, they will thinly veil their plans, but they'll say, at the Davos group. We're doing beautiful things. We're saving the earth. We've got to get rid of the people. And then they go, oh, take this shot. We want you to live longer. We want more people. So the very same people that say they want to kill you or want you dead, 
now I want to save you with a shot. And so it, it's the same thing with the grid. There's a total obsession and, and, and wargaming and pre-programming that it's imminent that the grid's going to go down while they cut off the coal and other systems that keep the grid up and then don't allow new systems to come in to actually generate the electricity. So you have the slow strangling of it and then the hyping, it's imminent. Terrorists are going to hack the grid. The grid's going to go down. It's imminent. Or, or, or North Korea is going to fire an EMP. It's, it's imminent. But it fits into their agenda of collapsing the old system and to, to, to bring in a new, more predatory system that they would launch that. And so just by how much they hype up uh, the grid going down from hackers, that I see that as the logical next move, or, or, or certainly they're warming it up, they're getting it ready, because again, before they do something, they hype it up right before they do it. I mean, four months before 9-11, suddenly bin Laden is on every channel, bin Laden's gonna get you, he's the new boogeyman, he's coming for you, it's all over, America, you're in total danger, and then Osama bin Laden attacks us. So, I mean, I've just seen the patterns where it's like if Ford's coming out with a new car, they run ads for it. Or if Coca-Cola's coming out with a new drink, they run ads for it. They run ads in fear and product placement, what I call propaganda placement and, 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 and pre-programming before they roll something out. So I think more viruses, more hysteria on that front, collapsing borders, devaluing currencies, degenerating cities, flooding everything with fentanyl, GMO, 5G, and then fake food, again, limited power food. outages. Yeah. So um, this is all part of what's called, you know, Klaus Schwab's great reset. But I'm, I'm much more fond of Catherine Austin Fitz's reversion, revision of that, which is the great reject. So in a seek to honor and implement the great reject, how do we reject the great reset? What do we need to do? What, what, what do we need to focus on? You mentioned the, the res resiliency and preparation phase that you're doing on your farm in Texas, which I think is outrageously good. Most people won't be able to do that, but that seems to be close to the ideal. We're completely self-sufficient. But what are the other things that we need to do? And I'm saying this myself because I work too much. I'm overweight. I got a sore throat right now, laryngitis. I apologize for that. We need to get healthy. We need to eat healthy. We need to meditate. We need to pray. We need to love our families, love our neighbors, and just realize that it's going to turn out okay in the end. There's evil in the universe. There's also forces of good. And we see that. And, and so God works through us. And we've just got to trust in God and not let them get us down with all this evil and just keep moving forward and keep persevering and reach out to the hopeless and, and, and speak to people and just get outside and get sunshine and just spend time uh, thinking about how beautiful the universe is and, and, and realize the evil forces on this planet are not all powerful. And that's why they want control because they want to be all powerful and that we will transcend this uh, together and then inform others. Get the book at InfoWarsStore.com. Uh, that'll help keep us on air. We need the funding. Plus, it's an amazing book. Um, Steve Bannon said it's one of the most important books he's ever read. I'm really proud that we were able to you know, get this book done and produced. Get it at Amazon.com because I want to send it to number one. It's already a number one on 20-plus charts. It's in the top 40 books right now. We'd like to send it to number one, The Great Reset, The War for the World. Uh, spread the word about 
uh, Dr. Mercola's show. I know millions do. Share this interview. Uh, go to Infowars.com. Go to band.video where you can find all the forbidden information they don't want out. Support independent media, support independent businesses, support small businesses, support farms, uh, support thrift shops. I mean, more and more, we need to disengage from the big corporate system that ran the lockdowns, that declared small businesses uh, non-essential, and realize they're trying to make us all non-essential and, and, and make us unproductive so that we are useless, not just to them, but to ourselves. So we have to make ourselves useful, make ourselves productive. You know, go take a carpentry class. Go take a class on how to fix engines. These are real knowledge we need, not the stuff that they're teaching in most of these colleges. And that's all been done by design. And so we need to all become generalists that all know a lot of information and a lot of basic things. And, and that will be fulfilling. Plant a garden is the number one thing people can do. <coughs> I don't care if it's a window box that you're growing some bell peppers and, uh, you know, things in. Well, just, you know, just that human action reignites our epigenetics. I mean, most people in the country are overweight and they have enough calories stored as fat to last them for months, literally months. So, you know, it's nice to have food, but a bell pepper is not gonna keep you alive for very long anyway. Uh, so I think the more important thing is the water. You know, you've gotta have a source of water because, you know, that's the thing that'll take you out lot much sooner than, than lack you're of right you'll die in three days four days without water and, and let me just be clear dr mccullough you're absolutely right i was talking about the process of just getting dirt and growing things okay. just as a ritual uh in a carl jung type way the the ritual of going and planting a garden or walking in the woods forest mm -hmm. bathing i'm just telling people as a human ritual to reignite who we are, there's something profound about uh, agriculture. I would agree. So the other point that uh, you didn't mention, but I think is vitally important, I'm sure you would agree with, is developing a community because you don't want to be the lone ranger out there. You don't want to do this alone. You can't do it alone. You will not survive if you do it alone. You need a group of people who are like-minded and share your values. So that's going to be the key. It's not going to be in a big city, ideally, because that's, you know, even the, the well, most well-intentioned individuals or network of individuals is going to be challenged and probably taken out. It's, the cities are not going to survive. They really aren't. I, I, I completely believe that. It's just, you know, when, when push comes to shove and they implement their strategies, it's going to be massive catastrophes in cities. Well, look what they're already doing in Europe and other areas, if you want to go to the grocery store, you've got to have your vaccine pass or, you, or if you want a job or if you want to go to the hospital or if you haven't had the shots, they won't give you medical care. They're hurting people into cities with 5G, GMO and making them take uh, these, these injections. We can see how this movie ends. These cities and these new smart cities they're building are literally prisons prisons of dehumanization, prisons of slow death and extermination. And, and that's what this whole thing is, is a huge people-killing machine. Yeah, because depopulation is clearly one of their primary agendas. It's very clear they even stated many times. There's <laughs> no secret. <laughs> so you just have to believe them because they really mean what they say. So... You're right. The number one thing just for basic survival is what you said. 
There are a lot of great gravity-fed filters that you can get water out of a pond, a stream, uh, anything. And not just not having water will kill you. If you drink water out of a spring or something or, or you have, in the mountains, that's probably fine. But if you drink out of some sewage-filled water during a collapse in a city, you're going to die of cholera. You're going to die of other diseases. And so water is absolutely numero uno and self-defense and knowing how to protect yourself, not offensively, but defensively. Everybody needs to know how to defend themselves, however they choose to do that. Yeah, well, <laughs> Second Amendment is pretty good, <laughs> important. And being from Texas, that's uh, one of the big, big uh, gun-toting states and the gun rights. So yeah, I would agree it's important to have self-defense. But again, I think it's going to be a lot easier to defend your, your family and your community in a non-city scenario. It's, it, it's literally, you almost can't have enough weapons and barricades to, to survive in the city. I, I just don't think, maybe initially, but it's just going to fail. Fire is going to consume the cities. Yeah. And so you can be in an armored fortress as the collapse accelerates, gangs, warlords are going to take control and they're going to come to your fortress and they're going to dig you out. All yeah. you can do long-term is get to rural areas and get all your neighbors self-sufficient and have a plan. And a lot of them won't listen now, but they're going to listen later. And so when they see the road warrior scenario coming down the street, they'll know what to do. But we're going to end up having small towns come together we're going to end up becoming self-sufficient and it, 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 it's going to be, there's going to be a new renaissance that comes out of this as well. Yeah. So Look, you the evil. Sorry, go ahead. You envision something like a Mad Max scenario? We already have Mad Max scenarios in many areas of Europe, with no go zones, Mad Max scenarios all over Africa. We already have Mad Max scenarios in many uh, skid rows all over the blue cities of our country. We already have Mad Max scenario on the Texas or with Mexico. I mean, it is literally Mad Max down there. Uh, 50 cal tracers at night, explosions, thousands of people anywhere you go coming across, uh, dead bodies, beheaded people, dead children, people hanging from trees, and, and you know, 50 dead in a trailer, 20 dead in a trailer, 10 dead in a trailer, ma massive MS-13 shootouts. Uh, I mean, it is it is absolute lawlessness on the Texas border. And that's gonna continue to spread as the Great Reset collapses the third world over two years of lockdowns under IMF World Bank directives in areas of Africa, Latin America, and Asia. Then that creates the Sri Lankan-like collapses we just saw. Look at Sri Lanka, Mad Max. Yeah. So yes, Sri Lanka and all of that is coming here if we continue on the path of the Great Reset, which is a controlled demolition of civilization. Yeah, I think that's, that's probably accurate. So any projections as to how you're going to fare in your legal battles? Upcoming you know, legal battles? When I say this, I want, I want to be 100% clear that I'm not exaggerating, okay? Mm -hmm. People would think Alex Jones has seen it all. I've not seen it all. My mouth is hanging open. The whole preface of what happened with my coverage of Sandy Hook is a lie. Barely ever covered it, looked at all the angles. Hillary edited some tapes of me, ran against Trump uh, in 2016, the last few months, 
saying Alex Jones was Trump's brain, which wasn't true. I wish it was. And now, for four years, they got discovery and harassed me and, and, and did all this and then defaulted me saying we gave them nothing. And so they have four trials coming up, two in Texas, here in Austin, and then two in Connecticut. And, and, and people ask, well, why do you live in Austin if it's so communist? My family's from here. My mom's from here. I've been here since high school. It's where I built my operation. I should leave Austin. I, in fact, I'm planning to. I have to. Okay, it's just we're, we've got deep roots here and, and the whole operation's here. Well, but you've got yes. the farm. You've got the farm in Texas, don't you? Well, yeah, yeah. And, and that's in a very conservative area. So, well, yes, my family does. So, so that's where we're at. Literally, the judge defaulted us, but is still having a show trial on damages. That's that's the, the second week started today of the first trial. And she lets all their witnesses on, them lie about me, say all the stuff that's not true. And then we can't have any witnesses unless they're a witness that they have called because we're defaulted. And she points the jury and says, he is guilty. Do you understand? So I'm guilty until proven guilty. And they're asking for $150 million. I personally don't have $2 million. The company has about $2 million in it. And for any operation this big, we got to buy product into the future. We got to pay for all sorts of stuff. So that's why I declared limited bankruptcy four months ago. They kicked those companies out. Even though it was a company that owned Infowars.com, uh, it was a supplement company. These were real companies. They kicked those out of the suit. I declared bankruptcy Friday on Free Speech Systems, the main company that actually runs all this and you know owns the company. And today in Connecticut, the judge said, I'm going to overrule the federal court, which they can't do. I'm going to kick this out, and we're going to go ahead with the next trial in Connecticut because Alex Jones didn't declare bankruptcy. So they think they'll just double back around later and sue Free Speech Systems and, and InfoWars and, and try to take that. I'm not even worried about that. We are so what, down what the rabbit they, what hole. Did, what did they throw out? Your your decision to bankrupt the company? I, they, they invalidated that. The state court is saying they're going to ignore it. But but here's the well, bottom they, line. What does that mean? Though? What does that mean? It isn't even in the law. <laughs> the, 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 this morning in Connecticut, it'll be in the news in the next few hours. This morning in Connecticut, at like eight thirty in the morning, she had like a ten minute hearing. Judge Barbara Bellis, and and said, I don't care. I'm going ahead with this trial. I don't care what the federal court says or if there's a stay on this for the bankruptcy. And last Friday, when we declared bankruptcy at 4.30, my lawyer got up in the trial and said, Your Honor, Free Speech Systems has declared bankruptcy, but we're going to lift the stay Monday so this trial can go forward. She goes, I don't care. I was going to go forward with the trial anyways. It doesn't work like that in a civil trial. That's the law, but they don't care. And, and so in closing on the subject, I'm not worried about myself. I want to keep InfoWars on the air as long as possible, but we've been vindicated. The New World Order's here. Global government's here. The depopulation agenda, the forced inoculation hell, the open borders, the devaluation of currency, all of it's already here. And so I'm just a symptom of the disease and the fact that they want to shut everybody down. So I appreciate folks rallying around InfoWars. I appreciate folks praying for us. I appreciate you having me on, Dr. McCullough. Uh, I admire you and you've taught me so much. And you're, you're an amazing mind. And I just want to ask everybody to please spread the word about InfoWars 
and our live shows and to please support us financially because in the bankruptcy, we have a plan when they get these giant rigged judgments to say, okay, you got a billion dollar judgment, a $50 million judgment. We don't have any money. And then the federal court will allow us to pay what we have and we will survive and continue on because that's what the bankruptcy court's for. So people can't just destroy you. And in the newspapers today, and for the last two weeks, the lawyers for these people who are Democrat Party operatives on record, same folks that sued Remington into oblivion, they say it is our mission to silence him and shut him down with the biggest judgments we can get. We want him off air. So just a few years ago, that would be heresy to say, we want to silence someone. That's the point of this suit. Now they openly say it is to destroy us. And they have said on CNN and MSNBC, next is Tucker Carlson. Next is Joe Rogan. Next is everybody else. So yeah, people better I circle the wagons here. I got to be on their list, no question. So, oh, you know, it's, you know, you're at the top of the list. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so it's interesting because you currently have the legal protection of bankruptcy. It exists today, but that protection was evaporated. It was just destroyed by Obama for student loans, which is over a trillion dollars in loans. So that if you have a student debt, you, you could have it for 60, 70, 80 years and die with that debt. And you're, you know, you just can't ever have bankruptcy absolve that. So hopefully they will never um, remove that protection that bankruptcy law provides because it is really a powerful strategic strategy, a strat intervention to allow companies and individuals to recover from that. Whereas and it lets us, Doc, put our cards on the table when they're they're up there at these hearings, at these kangaroo courts, going, he's got seventy million himself, he's got two hundred million, and they look at like five years of gross sales of water filters and and mm -hmm. books and films and supplements, and everybody knows you're only making 30, 40% on those. And after the bandwidth if and the that, legal and the crew that. and all of it, you spend that money. So we don't have, and, and, and look, there's nothing wrong with making a lot of money. There's nothing long, wrong with being self-sufficient. So so I'm not ashamed uh, that we've raised a lot of money, but I'm, I'm also kind of proud that we've spent it all in the fight. And so if they wanted money, they're not going to get it. But look, they admit, they know they have our financials. The court orders to be turned over. They know we don't have all this money. So, so again, think how sick that is and how aggressive and how that's, as you said at the start of the show, the next level of censorship. Yeah. So, you know, we've seen it four years ago, and uh, this could be the beginning of the next uh, generation of uh, intervention that they're seeking to, to destroy the resistance, I guess, would probably be the best and most accurate way to frame it. So I couldn't encourage anyone more than to get a copy of the book just to support Alex. It's really good. I think you'd enjoy it. I was surprised at how well-written it was. So now I know the secret sauce was uh, Tony Lyons, uh, Skyhorse Publishing Company that helped you with it, but it was really very well-written. It's a good read. It's a good summary. And uh, I'd encourage you to pick it up and help Alex in his efforts to make this more popular. Certainly, uh, he deserves our support for what he's, you know, his bravery and his courage and being out there and exposing these frauds and these, these efforts towards global tyranny and his ability to stand up to it. So I thank you for all your efforts and in, in helping uh, inform and educate the public about this really important topic. Doctor, thank you so much. I really appreciate you and your 
amazing organization. I apologize for the laryngitis. And I would well, I know you, you're never, you don't sound any different, Alex. <laughs> it's even deeper than normal, but I would please, I know you're a busy man, but please come on my show soon as well. Thank you so much. All right.